I love the local church. I'm so glad I wouldn't want to be anywhere today. You know, this is the most important thing happening right now. That's Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16. I have Bible verses that prove that this is the most important thing. Local church. If you said, what, what's Jesus doing right now? Building strong local churches that flow with him to do what? To make sure the whole world knows the good news of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 says that God's plan... God's plan, not mine, not pastors, God's plan is that through the church, the whole world will come to know the good news about Jesus. I have a couple of things I want to share with you, but we have a, a short video that our team put together in Lebanon, and it just kind of goes over the last year real quick. Um, if uh, we, we were able to be here, uh, that was a year ago, right? And uh, we were able to be with you guys a year ago. And so a lot's happened. And rather than talk about it, I thought we would just show it. So if we can just play this. It starts slow. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> So that's just a, uh, we actually, our team in Lebanon put that together for an anniversary service that we're going to do in April. Um, so we, last April, we did a big launch party, took over a city park, we meet in a movie theater, and uh, we do church a little bit different. But uh, when, instead of meeting every Sunday, we meet every week in small groups, and then once a month, we come together in a uh, movie theater and have what we call our big Sunday. That's actually next Sunday. So we're flying back to Beirut this week to be there for our big Sunday in March. And then we meet on a weekly basis in groups. And our purpose really in Lebanon is one thing, and that's to train leaders and church planters. And so the way we do Go Church Beirut, this is what we call it, 
uh, is really just about creating a model that other people can take away and do themselves. I can't wait for people just to say, man, I'm so tired of listening to you. I'm going to go to Tyre or Sidon and do this myself. And we're actually looking um, now, this is um, very exciting to say, that near Tripoli, um, Lebanon, we're looking at building a launch team and expanding a new campus in the next year. So hopefully the next time we're with you, we can tell you more about that. Um, We'll have some of these if you want more information about what we're doing. Uh, you can find out in here. There's actually um, little QR codes uh, throughout this that link to videos. So if you don't like to read, you can watch. And, uh, but that, we, uh, we moved to Lebanon in 2017, and since then, we've, we've celebrated with 2,000 people that have made decisions for Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. But our heart is to see those decisions become disciples. And so we're working to create different systems and tools available, make tools available to do just that. There's a um, slide that we made that has uh, some photos uh, from some of our team. And I just want to tell you a couple of quick stories. So. Uh, I love these faces. <laughs> so I can manage to keep from crying. I miss them. Um, every one of these people are just like you. They have stories. And like the video we just watched, you know, Jesus brought them into relationship. Everything God does in the earth, he does through relationships. And we, um, you know, from... For Julie and I, we really value that. We value our, the relationship we have with your pastor and the encouragement and supply that he has brought into our life. God does things through the people that we come in contact with. And if there's one thing I can leave with you today, it's look around and ask yourself, what kind of influence am I having on the people around me? The, uh, this, uh, these faces here, these are people that have had encounters and experiences with Jesus. We do everything in, in groups and gatherings and teams in Go Church Beirut with one aim, and that is to build disciples, to see, to see the Word of God change people's lives. And if we... Uh, if you could just go to the next one there, we've got some numbers. You know, what you, what you measure, you can improve. So we try to measure everything. And uh, we launched publicly, Go Church Beirut. You know, we had been building uh, our launch team. We had been meeting in groups. We'd done, we'd done different things to create the team necessary to support a strong local church like you have. And we started from zero. Uh, somebody asked us once, they said, how do you build a team? I said, well, we just look around and the people that don't run off, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> and uh, so today we have 34 active Lebanese nationals that are working to build Go Church Beirut. 
That's amazing. That's a, you say, well, 34 doesn't sound very much. Well, I'm thankful for them. And those 34 lead five different groups that meet on a weekly basis. We're about to launch two more. Uh, that'll make seven. And then we meet as a church twice a month in corporate settings, once in like a worship night, and then once in what we call, like I said, our big Sunday. Our aim in doing that is to create repeatable models that will work throughout the 22 nations that make up the Middle East and North Africa region that we're really focused on. We're in Lebanon because it's the only country in the world, in the Arab world, sorry, where it's free and open to preach the gospel. We meet in a movie theater. We're as loud as we want to be. It's great. 53 miles away is Damascus, Syria, where I can't go across the border. But they can. And so what we're doing is using Lebanon as an opportunity to train leaders to create a church planting movement. You might think, but it's the Middle East. You don't really think it's going to change. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Because I've seen him change people. And there's one story uh, in particular that I, I want to uh, I want to share. If if you can go a few slides ahead, I want to jump ahead. And there's a, a slide with several photos on the left hand side and some little paper boats. Can we show that? Thank you. So this this guy right here, if you see him, kind of bald hair. He's kind of pointing. I think he gets that from me. <laughs> His name's Rafi. Rafi is Armenian. And I don't know if you know very much about Armenians. If you don't, that's okay. A lot of people don't. Small country. In 1917, when the Ottoman Empire was crumbling at the end of World War I, the Ottomans committed a terrible act of genocide against Armenian people. Killed almost a million in the matter of two months. And year after year, year after year, year after year, the survivors, the Armenian survivors, cultivated a hatred of Turkey, even though it was the Ottoman Empire. They don't discriminate. <laughs> when I say hatred, I mean like, the, think of the worst racism that you've ever experienced or seen. And when I met Rafi, he was just like that. He'd just as soon spit on someone then be nice to them if they were from Turkey. But he met Jesus. And the word of God began to change his life. And then he met Melissa, who is also in this series of photos, 
the woman just above him there. Guess where Melissa is from? Istanbul, Turkey. She's married to another one of the uh, men in the church. Yeah, he's right there. But Rafi couldn't stand her. Couldn't stand being in the same room with her. And he really struggled for like a year. He struggled. He struggled with the fact that we were nice to her. It was everything that he could do to even be in the same space. He wouldn't look at her. He definitely wouldn't talk to her. And you just have to know Melissa. She doesn't care. <laughs> you know, talking about, Matt, you don't really think the Middle East is going to change. The Word of God and the love of God so changed that guy. He's a different person. And it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't as if, like, he went to bed one, one day hating and got up the next morning. That's all gone. But one day, he said, he made a decision. The Bible says that the love of God is in me. So, I have to change. And he began to act different. What is that? That's putting the Word of God into practice. It's just acting like the Bible's true. And it started with little things, like smiling. And the world didn't end. And then just acknowledging, talking. Yeah, okay. And letting the love of God flow and change him by putting the truth of God into practice. Fast forward to today, or I should say three weeks ago. February 6th, most of you know um, the news, there was a massive earthquake in southern Turkey. In fact, about a year ago, after I was here, Julie and I went to one of the cities that was destroyed, Antioch. When I first met Rafi, he would have celebrated that earthquake. The next day, after that earthquake, do you know what he did? He brought me U.S. dollars. About more than... 10% of his monthly wage. And he said, I want to give this for the relief effort that uh, we were standing up at the time. 
Jesus can change anybody. Jesus can change any situation and any nation. All he needs is me and you to act like his word is true. I'm going to say that again. Jesus can change any nation, no matter how impossible it looks, and that means he can change any situation, no matter how impossible it looks. All he needs is me and you to act like his word is true. Now, I would love to say, Jesus can change any situation. All he needs is for you to act like his word is true. But he needs me and you because everything he does in the earth, he does through relationship. And it's us working together is how we're going to see the kingdom of God come here on the earth. The will of God demonstrated. And the mission, or what the Bible says, the great commission, fulfilled and completed. I want to, there's a picture of a map. Those little dots represent unreached people groups in what I call my neighborhood. Unreached people groups. This is kind of our focus, what we're doing. And I thought, what is an unreached people group? I mean, I know what it is. I say it all the time. But what, are, what is that? Where did we get that term, unreached? So I looked it up, which is what I tell my son to do if he has a question. Look it up. So I thought I would do my, take my own advice. An unreached people group, that's a group that has too few followers of Jesus to influence the people around them. Too few to influence. So I thought about influence. You know, 90% of marketing today is through influencers. That's like a whole thing. I leave the country for a while and I come back and now there's a whole new, like, field. Influencers. It's because we've all gotten really good at blocking ads. Right? So now you have to figure out a new way to sell soap and socks and whatever else. So influence. Too few to influence. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is an interesting verse of Scripture, interesting passage. It doesn't take very long to read. Just two verses. And it doesn't wind up on a lot of t-shirts. There's no refrigerator magnets that I know of that say Acts chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says that Herod Agrippa, not King Herod. Oh, here it is. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some of the believers. Well, that's not happy. Let's... That's not a happy verse. Persecute. Let's talk about something else. I don't want to talk about persecution. Begin to persecute. What's persecute mean? Make difficult. Make problems. 
Since King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some of the believers in the church, verse 2, it says, he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. Uh-oh. Why James? James is one of the inner circle. When Jesus said, hey, we're going to go and, you know, we need to go into Jairus's home because his daughter is dead. He said to James and Peter and John, you come with me. Thaddeus and Thomas, he left them outside. James. James got to go up onto the Mount of Transfiguration. Mount Hermon, South Lebanon. I get to see it sometimes when the, on the clear day. Can't go there because there's contested territory. But James got to go and see Jesus. It says that his clothes became whiter than they could possibly be because he was filled with the glory of God. James got to see that. James is one of this inner circle of Jesus. And King Herod, Agrippa, who, by the way, got his job as quote-unquote king, which is a Roman governor position, through influence. And he saw, if you keep reading, it says he saw that he could get favor with those that he was governing by persecuting the church, so he wants to get more influence. And so he makes problems, and he kills James. This is 10 years after Stephen was stoned. James is the second person recorded in Acts to give his life for the gospel. John Fox records uh, this story. This is what we would say extra-biblical, outside of the Bible. But it was recorded in the first century by a guy named Clemens Alexandrinus. I'm sure I'm saying that name wrong. It said that when Agrippa ordered his death, according to Roman custom, he had to have an accuser. So they called for someone to accuse James of being a follower of Jesus. A person stood up and said, I'll do it. Why? Because this is a chance for me to gain some influence. I can do a favor. I can get some influence. And he stood up to accuse James. I reckon if you would have asked James, he would have just said, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But according to custom, they needed an accuser. According to custom, John Fox said that the accuser had to accompany James to his place of execution. I don't know how far that was, but from the place he was judged and ordered to be killed to the place where they put the sword to his neck, the accuser had to walk with him. History says that the accuser, who is unnamed, knelt down and said, 
take my life too. I also commit my life to Christ. As I finish, that story stands out to me because there was so much of the work of Jesus in James that from that walk, it influenced the man who accused him and not influenced him to give up a Saturday, but to give up his life. James didn't preach him a sermon. He didn't share the latest podcast. He didn't hand him one of his latest books. He just walked from the place of judgment to the place of execution. And there was enough Jesus in him that it influenced the man next to him. Now my question for me, do I have enough Jesus in me that just my walk will influence the people around me? Is, am I letting him work in me enough that there's enough of him in me that just my life shares the gospel? There's nothing more important than what we're doing right now. The great commission of Jesus, the mission of the church, thank God for the natural aid that we're able to render. We were able to get people on the ground through our relationships to help the people in Turkey. We've even helped people get across the border into Syria. Thank God for that. But the message and the mission is the gospel, the good news. And that has to start with me. The work in me has to be big enough that my walk points people to him. How about you? Is there enough Jesus in you that your walk influences others? Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you I thank you for this church. I thank you for the families in this church. The mission and the call that you have placed here in this house. The grace and supply of the Spirit of God that is here. And I speak increase over them. I say new borders, new lands. Stretching out and increasing on every side. In the name of of Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you.